Good morning. Last week we were talking about that there is a calling over the life of everyone. A few years ago, I met Jesus in a whole new way. I had always heard stories about him and I knew more or less the things that were going on. But a few years ago, I started to fully get to know God. And something changed in my life in those days. And from that moment, from that moment that I had that relationship with God, a call is born. A call of what God has for your life. And a little spoiler, these plans are always better than the ones that you could ever imagine or make in your own mind. Last week, we were talking about that a call does not come just from your own thinking. When we talk about calling of God, you will find in the Bible story after story after story where people have an encounter with God. What are these encounters? Let's have a think. So there's Moses. Who's heard that story? There's Moses. Frida knows Moses. (laughs) Moses, he's there and he has an encounter with the fire of God. And then you keep reading after about person after person after person that receive these calls in an encounter with God, where God says, listen, I know that you have plans for your life, but what about if you follow my plans instead? And people are not like puppets that can't make choices or, or decide in their own life, but there is an invitation in the friendship with God to decide and to say, I trust you, and I trust more in your plans than in my own, and so share them with me. And when he shares them with you, you start to walk with him in the plans that he has for you. But we said that when we talk about calling, what is very important is that we share the same understanding that a calling is not does not come out of. It is not from, I'm Manu, this is what I'm good at. I am really good at climbing. <laughs> I'm not that good anymore, but... And and so you think about all the things of what I'm good at and my strengths. And then you decide that because of these gifts, because I'm creative, because I'm good at Photoshop and the computer or whatever it is. So that's what God is calling me to. God has called me to something that fits into my understanding. And I said last week that we cannot search for the calling of God in that way. Because when we look at the Bible, when we look at the stories of the lives of believers, we see that calling is always born in a place of intimacy with God, not from a form of thinking that is rational, that because I'm good at this, so this must be my call. Many times, a call can come from something that is similar to what you're good at, but this calling has to be born in the intimacy that you have with God, in the encounters that you are living with Him. And so, for this reason, we spend so much time in worship. For that reason, there's so much time in the worship that we make a space and we say, come to the front, come and find your own encounter with God. It's amazing to sing together. It's amazing to do all of these things, and we should do. But but we want you to personally look for your own encounter with God because that is the moment that changes your life. And I believe that the call of God, and I said it last week, it's not just it's not just a location, a place we're trying to get to, where you're going to reach one day and then you're going to be there. It's not like a, tr- a journey where you get on the plane, you arrive and you've completed it. But it's more like a journey with God. And I believe that the call of God does have specific um, goals and specific places to reach and it's very chosen for you but it's more about the journey that you start to walk on with God. And in this calling, as you, when we start discovering our calling and the personal call that God has for your life, and you start to live in it, I believe that we go through different phases. And these phases, these different seasons of our lives, are not always just in, in a chronicle order, in a in a set order, it's number one, number two, number three, number four, and then you've reached it. I believe that it goes through, you can go from one to two to three, then you go back to one, and then number four, or and then God opens a new door and you start something new and you start in a new place with a new part of your calling. 
So it's not something set that we take in our hand and we say, I've understood it, so I'm going to do it, understood and done. I want to talk about these different phases of your calling so that you can identify where you are in your life right now and what you need to do in this season when you follow and you are discovering and following the call that God has for your life. Does anyone have a Bible? Look, smile if you have a Bible. It's always good when you smile. <laughs> It helps me a lot. <laughs> Amos 3:7. Here it says, one second, just getting it. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The omnipotent God that can do anything he wants, but right here it says he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it without revealing it before to his prophets. We have a God that could do absolutely anything he wanted when he wants to, but he's interested in doing it together with you. And so for that reason, he loves to, to share his plans and his dreams with you. In John 10, 27, we read, My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And I don't know how you feel about being called a sheep, but, you know, that's what it says. So we're going with it. Um, and so I believe, actually, that he chooses this image because... People hearing this story at the time would understand and relate to the sheep because many of them were probably um, shepherds. Another idea is that a sheep, it cannot see very far. The nature of a sheep is that their their eyes are very weak and they can only actually see and only can see a few meters, about seven meters, I think. And so they always need a guide. They always have to follow someone. And that is what God suggests to us, a style of life where it's not about trying to understand all of your, your next 10, 20, 30 years and understand everything that's going to happen but to have a relationship, to build a relationship so deep with God that it's enough to see seven meters ahead and to see where he's going and you can follow. But I would like to just that, to mention what it said in Amos, that he loves to share his plans with you. And I believe that this first phase of calling that we find in the Bible it's characterized by a time where it's a very prophetic season a prophetic encounters I started by talking about Moses you can look at in Isaiah and other people in these encounters with God in these times that they meet with him many times the voice of God comes and he starts to speak this is what i have for you what about if you start to take all of the israelites out of egypt and in this process i'm going to do many miracles and he starts to speak to moses about what his plans are the people that he wants to lead and that want to follow him let's go to a story in genesis 37 It's a very long story, many chapters, but I'm going to just do a summary in my own words. Joseph has a big calling, a very interesting calling. He grows with all of his brothers, grows up with his brothers. I don't know what family you come from or how many brothers and sisters you had. But sometimes in Europe, we've got smaller families. For me, I've just got one sister. But Jose, Joseph, sorry, had many brothers. It was a football team. <laughs> But they were a little bit older. They weren't just playing football together in the fields. They were there working in the fields. And Joseph goes to his brothers and sister and he says, come out as, as good brothers and sisters have their, their fights sometimes and their, their, yeah, their challenges. And so he goes up to his brother and he says, I've had a dream. Actually, I've had two dreams. And God spoke to him in those dreams that one day he would not be so 
He's going to be so raised up that all of his brothers and sisters are going to come and start to serve him. They're going to come and start to ask him. They're going to look up at him and be so amazed by him. Even though Joseph was one of the youngest in the family, he wasn't the firstborn. He wasn't the biggest one. He wasn't the one they looked up to. Imagine how the brothers felt, how they reacted in this moment. I believe that one of the ways that God speaks to us is he speaks through dreams. But I love, if you want to read it at home, you can start in 37, chapter 37, up to about 41 or 42. Just keep reading. The Bible's good. Just keep going. <laughs> but something that characterizes this season, this first season, when God is talking about dreams, talking about vision of your calling, prophetically, many times the people that hear these dreams and visions are very excited about what God is doing and what he's saying. Because what he's saying, what he's showing, it's not a small plan. It's going to be a huge dream about what is going to happen one day. For me and Abby, it was in that way. We lived in Mexico for a time, about an hour, a year and a half, an hour and a half, a year and a half, in the beautiful Reynosa. And they, we were planting churches and we were working in different ministries in Kaleo. But we always had this hunger in our hearts. I believe that one day God is going to call us to a different place to plant churches. And I was thinking about different countries, maybe Colombia. I love Bandeca Paisa, I love the people. <laughs> I was thinking about different places that God could take us in my imagination, and Europe was never in my thoughts. But one day God gave me a dream, and in this dream, I was taking people to Spain. And I got up in the morning, as a good disciple, knowing to hear the voice of God, I wrote it in my book, and I forgot about it. Europe? No, that can't be right. <laughs> God spoke to me in this dream, both of us in this dream, and then through follow-up words. And so when we began to understand, I believe that God is talking. It's not just my dream. God is speaking. God wants us to be in Spain. So we started to pray. God, what do you want us to do in Spain? Because it's never been in my imagination, in my thinking, to go to Spain, that God would want us in this place. And so we kept praying. And one of those mornings, that we were praying in the church in Mexico, we saw a vision. Manu saw a vision of the whole horizon from the east to the west. I saw a line of people starting to stand up. And I said, God, what is happening in this vision? What is this? And he said to me, what I want to do in Europe is I want to raise a generation, not a generation that are defined by their age, but just a generation that is radically in love with me. Because when we're radically in love with him, he could use you, he can send you wherever he wants and we will follow. Because for our love, you will do anything. You're not following about, worried about counting the cost. In this first prophetic phase of encounters, prophetic encounters with God, it's going to be characterized by the things that you're going to see are going to be huge. And they have a, an excitement around them. Wow, this is amazing, God. This is what I want to do. This is amazing. But remember, when we started, when we came to Spain, we didn't know anyone. <laughs> it was me. And, happy. and sometimes there was maybe a third person in the worship, <laughs> maybe four in the worship. But in our hearts, we had this vision. I believe that we're going to see a generation raised up. It's not about Kaleo. There are many other great churches, but together we are going to have to this vision of seeing a generation raised up fully in love with Jesus. From this first phase is has characterized by the huge excitement and passion that we have for our vision. And then in, in chapter 37, it says in verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. But his father kept the matter in his mind. 
His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this in his mind. And I want to focus on this for a moment, this last part. His father was remembering, meditating on this prophetic work that one day this is going to happen in the life of Joseph. And I want to suggest to you that the father knew it's not for tomorrow. This vision that he's just had, he's going to get there because that's what the Lord is saying. But the way to get there from now to your calling is going to need that you are focused on, that you meditate on the prophetic words that God has put in your heart, that you heart, that you guard it within your heart. Maybe you've realized that when you get a prophetic word here, sometimes I hear what people are saying, and sometimes I hear if I'm praying, you know, I, I remember what I'm praying. And sometimes I love to hear people... I go up to people five, six months after us and ask, so do you remember six months ago, five months ago? Do you remember this prophetic word? I did it to, to Ugo yesterday. Do you remember, Ugo, that after two months, that two months ago you got this word? Because it cultivates a, a value in my life that when he speaks prophetically, there is a responsibility to guard them in our lives. I have a book at home where I write down every prophetic word that God has ever given me because I don't want to ever forget a promise that he gave me. I want to guard them in my heart because it is possible that he has a call for you and you, you don't get to it. And so we have to guard and take care of the prophetic words in our hearts so that we can direct and focus our hearts in the direction that God is moving us. In the first um, uh, time frame, if you feel like you're in this season, if you feel like God is speaking a lot and there's a huge vision, this first season, what it requires of us is the desire to step in deeply in prayer. Why? The two reasons. One, when you are in prayer, the first thing that you're going to see is that God starts to, to give you more direction. Just going to Spain wasn't enough. It needed that God spoke to us more and more and more about the details. What does he want to do in Spain? And so in this place of prayer, you pray and pray and pray, and God is going to reveal more and more of the details of his plan. I'm going to be going through a lot of points. If you have something to write down, write down. Number two, in this place of prayer, what happens in prayer is that the heart of God and yours become one and they are united. And what God does in this secret place, in this place of prayer, is he brings his heart and plants it into you. And so that for in suddenly you'll start to feel a compassion for the people that you are called to, whether it's a nation, whether it's a business where you work in, it doesn't matter if it's your family, but God wants to plant this compassion into your heart for the people that you are called to. And number three, he's going to continue to build faith in you that one day you are going to see this promise happen. I'm going to share about that in a moment. What is the conclusion of what I'm saying for us right now as a church? I want to suggest to you that as a church, whose church? We are. <laughs> Very good. We've been practicing this, but <laughs> we are family. As a family, as a church, we have two things to look after. Every person individually the challenge for you is to create and, and guard this hunger for the prophetic words. Have a hunger that God is going to speak to you, that he really will through the word, through other people, through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cultivate a hunger that he will speak to you. Because where there is hunger, God wants to respond. And he says, if we ask for bread, he's not going to give a stone. But there is something important about asking. So if we, because the Bible says if we don't ask, we don't receive. Number two, the challenge is, this is why Abby keeps teaching again and again about the prophetic. Because, why? Because what if every single one of us could hear the voice of God for ourselves and for those around us? 
And we would start to create a culture here where you meet with your friends for a coffee and you're sat there in your bar drinking your coffee. And as you're just spending time together talking, God starts to speak. He starts to give prophetic plans into the lives of you and your friend. And you're like, wow, guess what God's going to do in your life? It's going to be incredible because I can see in you these gifts, these calling, and you start to share. And when I see you, I see an anointing for this, this, and this. And I believe that God wants to take you too. And we start to share these prophetic words because I want to see everyone else in this place, not for their errors of today. I want to see them by the design that God has for them and for their lives and to encourage them into these callings. You can do this. I believe that we can do this. I believe that the prophetic is like a muscle that we have to train. Not every person from the beginning has it perfect, but we can train it if you want to train it. Um, listen to Abby and her teachings and the different keys that she will give you and the hearing God's voice. Phase number two. Number one, you've received a prophetic word. You've received the, the direction and you know that God is taking you somewhere. X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Number two, I want to suggest that it's a time in your life where he wants to, for, wants to strengthen the foundation of your life. In Luke 2, there's something very interesting. Jesus continued growing in wisdom and in height. And every time there was more favor over him, of the favor of God and the favor with people. The life of Jesus, he started to, to share, to, be, to minister with 30 years old. And those first 30 years, all he did was work as a carpenter and to grow. He grew. And it amazes me that God comes to this life and the Bible said that Jesus had to grow up. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus was showing us something, that it's not wise to take a prophetic word and believe that you've got to run for it right now with no growth and no training if the training there's no foundation strong in your life. In other parts of the New Testament, he says, if you build a, a house over the sand, <laughs> if you build a house over the sand, <laughs> neither of those, yeah, build it over the rock. <laughs> I believe that in, in this time, what God will want to do in your life is to build a foundation, a strong foundation that you will then be able to build upon when you start to walk in your calling. doesn't matter what happens, whether you will not fall easily. What is this foundation that God is creating? This foundation says that Jesus grew up in favor with man and with God. And I believe that one of the parts of this foundation that we are called to grow in, something that we are very focused on, character. If your character is not very strong, but the Holy Spirit wants to come and use and move through you, it's very easy that the enemy will trip you up, that he will come from behind and from behind and steal what God is trying to build. What else is very important is if that we have a healed heart. Because people with pain will cause pain to others, whether they want to or not, but this is what happens. And so it is very important that we make sure that if we want to grow and live in the calling that God has for us, that we we allow the Father God with his incredible hand, heals our hearts. And then he starts to heal everything from the past, every, every word said by your family, by your friends, your ex-husband, whatever it is, wherever the pain came from, that God, we allow God to come and heal to the depths of our heart. That we allow his heart to touch us because this is what builds the foundation that is key for your calling. It also is important that we walk in freedom in an identity where we know this is what God thinks about me. doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. I know what the Father thinks about me. 
Every area of our lives, is every one of these things helps to build this foundation of our lives. And I want to suggest that it is key that if you want to walk in the call that God has for you, Give time and focus on that God creates this foundation, a strong foundation that is the rock. That this foundation, that one or another time, that God is going to keep bringing you back to these points and to show you again and again what he wants to do. And we allow him to work in this way in our lives. Joseph, if you keep reading in his story, Let's go quickly through this story. His brothers didn't like anything of what he was saying in these dreams. And with the favor that he had with his father, he said, they said, okay, what if we get rid of this brother? What if we sell him into slavery? And so they sell their own brother to work as a slave. And there someone chooses him and take him into his house and that's where he starts to work as a slave. He does a great job in this house serving as so good that he goes from promotion to promotion to promotion until he is the the most that he is the slave that is leading the others in the house, has the highest position. He has all authority in the house to change things. But the wife of the the owner of the house starts to look at him and starts to think, oh, he's cute. <laughs> and that's where the problem starts. <laughs> Sleep with me, come with me. And Joseph says, no, I can't do this. I will not do this. My boss trusts me with everything and I will not do this. You are his wife. You're not my wife. What would happen if Joseph did not have that foundation of character? If his character had not been there? That his identity, the pain of the past of what his brothers had done, what if all of those things were not there? Joseph did not live a perfect life where it was all easy. Actually, he went through a very difficult time. But it requires a strong foundation to step into your calling without falling in those moments where the enemy comes with temptation. Phase number three that I believe that God takes us through on this journey is when he has built this foundation of your identity and you have received healing in your heart is that he takes you for a season of training. As you see it with the disciples, Jesus calls his disciples and he says, follow me, come and follow me. Let's share life together. He didn't invite them to a three-week course on discipleship and then you get a little book <laughs> and you've done discipleship. No, he invites them to share life together. And in this sharing of life, I, Jesus, am going to share everything with you disciples and I'm going to teach you everything that the Father has taught me. And I believe that this third part, this third season, is when God is training you specifically for what you will need for your calling. A few years ago, I was at a decisive point in my life. I lived in Colombia for a while, and my plan was to go back to Germany and study there, to be a teacher, to earn a good wage, enough to live maybe have a house somewhere in the Alps near the mountains so I can go and ski and climb. And that was my dream. And I could just bring the two together because God, God likes the job and I like the skiing so we can both be happy. Isn't that great? But in that time of starting to write to the universities in prayer, I always had a feeling inside of me that this isn't enough. That is not everything. And from there, I started to ask God, what is this? And I started to feel this passion. What if you would give all of your life to missions? And I was like, what is missions? <laughs> so I just went for one year to Colombia. What is missions? And so God started to talk to me more and more about what he wanted. And I didn't have the full plan. I didn't know I was going to Mexico. I didn't know I was going to Spain. But he started to plant in my heart a passion that I have something for you in missions. And so I followed him step by step in a training process of how I can follow the Holy Spirit. Something interesting happened to me. Coming back from Colombia to Germany to start working a few months, 
All of my friends that weren't Christians heard my plans to be a missionary and they said, that is so cool, that's incredible. We're going to go and study, but you're going to go and live life. That's incredible, go for it. And then I went to church and I shared the ideas and they said, okay, that's interesting. When I was young, I also had big plans, but... What if you go to university first? What if you get your education? Because just in case God changes his way of thinking and he doesn't want your emissions anymore, what are you going to do in your own strength? And I was like, okay. But every time I prayed, God said, I know that it's good to, to study and I know that it's more, it's very wise. But I said to him, what I want you to do is that you follow my steps. That when I say go, you go. That when I when I invite you, you follow me. He took me to England. He took me to Nepal. And the only thing I knew was to follow him step by step by step. And something was, he marked something in my heart in that season. I learned to follow the Holy Spirit because there was no other option. There were no studies that would give me understanding of human thinking. From my relationship with God, he formed this dependence on how to follow his Holy Spirit. And I remember when we arrived in Nepal, we went alone to Nepal. We didn't have many connections. And arriving there, I remember waking up on the first morning, we started to pray. And I started to pray. I don't know how it is for you, but sometimes when you start to pray and you're relaxed, in one moment, realistic thoughts start to come to your mind. And so I started to pray. In the beginning of my prayer time, I started to think, Manu, you're stupid. <laughs> Why are you in Nepal? <laughs> you don't have a translator. You don't speak the language. What on earth are you going to do in Nepal? And I was like, that's a very good thought. What on earth am I doing here? <laughs> but then I heard God say, don't worry about that. I've got it prepared. Don't you worry. So we didn't know what to do. So we just went in a taxi and we went to the center of the city. We got out of the taxi and two or three minutes later, a man comes up to us talking in English. And I said, oh, wow, you speak English? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, would you like to translate for me? And he followed us the entire day as we went through the city praying for healings praying for drug dealers, ministering to people that we met with this man that wasn't even a believer. He was Buddhist, but he translated for us all day long. And it, he was so amazed by what was happening that we, we sat down for Coca-Cola and, and he said to us, in my village, there's a lot of sick people too. You want to come? And we were like, yeah, sure. And so what I learned is to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there are always ways to grow in this. There are always ways to grow. I'm still learning. But one of the most important things that he taught me is how to follow him. And so that's what I do now. In everywhere I think I am, in everything I do, I follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. If I don't know that, we have a problem. And I want to suggest to you that God knew at my time in Colombia that I was thinking that studying was wiser. But he said, if we go from adventure to adventure, and you learn to hear my voice, this is going to be much more important for your life. This training was creative. Your training will be creative. It will not be something that you can understand with your mind. You have to follow what God gives you training. When Jesus invites you, follow. I want to show you one or two things. Take this invitation. Are you going to have the willingness to allow him to lead you? In this time, one or two things that we have to, to search for are leaders, mothers and fathers in the spirit. Why? Me and Abby, after uh, some time in missions, we had an idea and we said, what if we don't just go from country to country, but we start to plant something and we stay in one place. And we had this conviction that if we're going to do this, we don't want to do it alone. I want to be part of a family. I want leaders that can speak into my life. And so we went to Caleo in Mexico. And we, made, we um, found family there. And now we are walking with friends in Mexico that have the, the openness to speak into our lives. They come and visit us and they bless you, but they also bless us. 
there's something so healthy. In a few weeks, I'm going to speak about the value of serving as sons and daughters. But just a, a short summary, there is an incredible value in not walking alone, but have someone at your side that believes in you, that is wiser than you, and that will correct you when you need it. But there is something incredible that started when we moved to Mexico. Do you remember the huge vision of a generation that's going to be radically in love with Jesus? We got to Spain and we started to, to visit a few churches, meeting some different friends, and we share these visions with some people. And they said, this is why we're here. This is what we feel like God is saying. This is what he's saying. And, and we're going to just start evangelizing. And people looked at us and they're like, that's great, that's great. I love your passion. I love your vision. Evangelism will work here. We've tried it. We tried it. It doesn't work. Don't raise your expectations too much. Don't get your hope up. Because if you've got high hopes, you're going to leave Spain because you're going to be so disappointed. And I said, what? <laughs> and I actually believe that the God in Mexico is the same here and the, and the same in Germany. And so I ignored these voices. <laughs> and I said, someone say, that's good, thank you. In the first season, you're going to see big visions. You're going to see the huge plan and the calling that God has for your life. But when it gets to the point where your foundation is ready and you have been trained, and then we get to the season where you're actually starting to walk in the call that God has for you, you will see that this beginning is nothing like the end. The beginning is nothing like the destination. And that is why your calling is a journey. It's not a position that God's raising you to. I'm not going to, does not saying, I'm going to put you here. You are now this person. No, he's inviting you on a journey and a start does not look like the end. And that is okay, because your calling, my calling is to look at the kingdom of God and see it grow in places where it was not before. And so if the star looks different to your prophetic word, fantastic. Keep following, cultivating something in this place. If you go through the story of Joseph, I don't know how his thoughts as a slave were. From a slave, there is not there's only one step worse to go to the to prison. What happened to Joseph? Because he said no to this wife, she started to lie about him, and his boss sent him to prison. And I don't know what happened in his head in that moment or in these years, but I imagine that there were thoughts like, and now these dreams that I had when I was, was a boy with my brothers and all of this, that they're going to come and I was going to be raised up. I, this doesn't look anything like the dreams that God had for me. But I be convinced that from that place God wants to do something from the place of fight and challenge God wants to raise you up he wants to birth his plans in your life but what is incredible about this season is that you will know that the plans of God you did not make them happen for your own strength it's by his grace it's because he moved something in this season for us the challenge in that season is to protect the dependency on God. When we came to Spain, we didn't have a huge strategy of making events and then making people to different churches or, or whatever strategy. We just said, we'll go into the streets. Let's go and make friends in the streets, in the parks. Let's, gonna, let's go and let's offer prayer. And even though they told us that it doesn't work here, I don't care because I know that God, a God that wants to do this, our God wants to do this. And so I stopped living, I kept living in the small promises that I had. We didn't have huge meetings. Sometimes we had Sundays where it was me and Abby. Sometimes me, Abby, and one more person. Sometimes me, Abby, and one person, two people more. But I don't know why. And then sometimes just me and Abby again. <laughs> 
And that is why you have to guard the prophetic words in your heart. Because God very often will allow you to go for a season where you cannot see with your eyes the promise of God. Because that, that strengthens the trust that you need in Him. We knew that if I do not spend time with him, I cannot do this. And if I go to the streets and I pray for people and he does not do something, people will just think I'm strange. What are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing? You're not making a difference. Why are you doing this? In every step, we were dependent on God from his provision that I would have enough to eat to miracles when we pray for people. None of these things I could do in my own strength. But God will permit you to walk through these seasons because he wants to form your heart and to strengthen your confidence in him. And I believe that when you begin to walk in your calling, another season that you will face on this journey, and this is actually a lot of people stop before they get to this season, what does it say in the last part of Matthew? Now go and make disciples. Jesus called his disciples. I'm calling you disciples. Come, come, follow me. And then he says, how about you make other disciples? The calling that God has for you doesn't exist so that you can be raised up. It doesn't exist for you to have a title and to have a great walk with God so that people look at you and think, look at this person. Your walk with God, your calling, is so that you can open a way so that other people can follow you into this calling. Everything, everything that God calls you to, if you follow it and you keep living it and you walk in this calling, you will see, you will get to a point where there's a turning point, where God says, and now it's time to take other people in. Lead other people into what you've been living. Four seasons where you could perhaps find yourself today on your journey of how we walk in and we walk into our calling with God. But I want to end with these two thoughts. Has anyone heard of Reinhard Bonnke? A German with an incredible accent in English? Amazing. <laughs> an incredible man of God. He died a few years ago, but God called him to be a missionary in Africa. And he went to Africa, and he had an incredible heart and an anointing of an evangelist, and he went to preach. And God started to say to him, I, and started to say, I want the whole continent of Africa. And so he guarded this promise in his heart. And he kept praying and planting camp, um, outreaches in a tent first. I think the tent broke early on, if I'm not mistaken. And so it went bigger and bigger and bigger. Go to, to the page of Sifan, and it'll tell you how many salvations they've seen. Something like uh, 80,000 salvations that they saw in Africa and still are seeing. But Reinhard tells stories that God said to him one day. I don't want to offend you, but you were not my first person. <laughs> I actually called two more people before you, but they said no. And so that's why I'm calling you into this call. Humility. <laughs> what I want to say is, I believe that God has a call for every single person here. But it is possible to miss this calling. And I don't say this to make you scared. <laughs> I don't say this to make you scared. I say this to, to, to protect a wisdom inside of you that every day your walk with God matters. And is worth something because me in my life I do not want to lose the calling that God has for me let's look at Joseph if you keep reading the story that he has one day 
he gets to this point where God raised him up and God lifts him up to the point where the Pharaoh of Egypt, the highest person in Egypt says, listen, there is no one wiser than you in this nation. I'm going to put you as a governor over the country and everyone is going to listen to you. The only person above you is me. You are going to be the second most powerful person in this country. And this is the interesting part of what I see. Joseph did not go for a training or a study to be an administrator, to be a king, or to work in the government. It was the favor of God in his life that lifted him up into his call. What is that Joseph did know how to do? Interpret dreams. When he was in the, the prison, people realized, wow, Joseph sleeps a lot. <laughs> Second, has a lot of dreams. But third, he knows how to interpret dreams. God helps him to interpret dreams. And this started in his youth. This started with his brothers. And then we see it when he's in the prison. At the lowest point of his life, I believe that through all of his life, what he did cultivate was this gift of interpreting dreams. And when anyone else came, he just interpreted their dreams. He used what he had. We serve a God that will honor when you seek. We serve a God that will honor when you use what he has given you. There's a story of the talents in the New Testament. And in this story, there is one guy that was so scared of his boss that he didn't do anything with what he had because he thought that what he had wasn't enough because he just gave me one talent. Everyone else had more. But everyone else with the more talents, they knew how to use it and they multiplied what they had. And the boss comes back and he says, well done, but you guys that did nothing with your talents, I'm going to take you even what, from you even what you had. We do not have an unjust God. Our God is completely just. But a part of his justice is to honor when you seek him. He will honor when you use what he has given you. Because if you do not use it, and if, because if you use it and there is no reward for what you've done, it's not in our nature or in the nature of God. In the nature of God to give us prizes and rewards for when we follow and we use what he has given to us. And this is what amazes me that Joseph was not training to be a governor or administrator. What he had was the interpretation of dreams. And God didn't care, doesn't call, care what call you have, what gift you have. What matters to him is that you keep using it because that is how you are being qualified into the calling that he has for, for you or not. Whether you train for the actual calling or not, it is the favor of God that will be on your life. I believe that the difficulty is sometimes we don't know what we have. The guy that only had one, one talent, he maybe thought, well, I only have one. What if they'd given me three? But if I lose this one, then I've got nothing. If you'd given me three, I could do more. And so that's why he works from fear. Do you know what God has given you? What are the things that God has given you? He's given you time. He's given you money. He's given you abilities. He's given you a capability to love others. And all of these things are very simple and very small. They're not huge things that you've had to train and study for. But a part of this is, is the basic. He has given you gifts and attitudes in your heart that are incredible. I love to talk to you. And to say to you, wow, you're amazing. I love this about you. I love the way that you do this. I love the way you're compassionate. I love the way that you... Because God has given you more than what you have realized. And so now my question is, when you leave today with what he has given you, what are you going to do? Are you going to use it? Are you going to go home and say, oh, but I don't have anything. I'm not a pastor. I don't know how to talk about Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I want to suggest to you, that he has given you something. And that when you start to use this thing that he has given you, when you start to put it into practice, you will see how God calls you higher and higher and higher in your calling. Because he is not interested in Joseph learning to administrate. 
what I've given you is the interpretation of dreams. So interpret dreams. What has God given you and what are you going to do tomorrow with this thing? Because I believe that if we continue to cultivate what God has given you, you will see how you walk in your calling goes through one phase to another. Maybe one time you'll go back to, to the one phase to, to strengthen the foundation and that's okay. But you will see how you're not just living for yourself. You start to follow the call that God has for you. Would anyone like to discover the call that God has for their lives? Bianca and Frida, that's great. <laughs> anyone else? Yeah, come on. Father God, I pray for a prophetic culture in this place. And we make a declaration today that we will not be content without your voice. Build a culture in us of hunger for your voice. Build a culture of prophecy here among us where each one of us will remind each other and remember God in our hearts these visions and plans that you have for us. Father God, I pray that today that you pour out a wisdom in each of our hearts to be able to see and recognize the phase that we're in right now and how and what we are supposed to do in this season. Father God, I pray for angels that will keep reminding us this week. What are you going to do with what you have? Birth a passion within us, Father, to use what you have given us. We surrender our plans. I feel like I should end with this invitation that maybe some of you. I feel like I haven't called, followed him in my call. I feel like I've not been doing what he's asked. And I want to invite you today to take a moment with him and give the whole of your life. Jesus, I tried and I couldn't, but here I'm coming again. Here I am again. If for anyone it would help you in this prayer, you can repeat with me. Give him your life again today. Jesus, thank you that you have called me. Thank you for your grace. You know that I, I messed up in the way. But I honestly request forgiveness today. Holy Spirit, fill me again. Lead me to your way. I want to follow your call. Take my life. Do what you want. Amen. If you have just taken a decision today, incredible. Share that with someone. Tell someone about it. It's the best thing you can do right now. Share it with someone. Do you know what I've done on Sunday? Do you know what I've done today? Let them know. That's great. I want to say thank you to everyone that's here today, everyone that's tithing each month. If you are looking the, for the information about how to tithe or how to give outside, there are some flyers with different explanations on how to do that. Pizza, and there's also a little box. It's always, it's always free. It's always an option. But for me, it's been such a blessing to give. I'm going to pray for these people today.